So, welcome everybody to Dying with the Divine. I'm Ashley, I'm your host, and together we'll be exploring the magical, mystical, cultural, historical, everything in between. And today's episode, we're going to have a really good time talking about why do people even bother singing, and we'll talk about the mother of rock and roll. So, Thanks, everybody, for coming and showing up today. I hope you're having a great week. And if not, I hope it's getting a lot better. So today, I'm super, super excited. We have a really great guest. Chelsea Cannon is here. She is the voice witch. So Chelsea is a trained singer, sound, and Reiki energy healer. After earning her MA from Columbia University in music and music education, she hungered for more knowledge in the is esoteric and mystical. She coaches creatives on how to use their voices and express their desires. She just released a podcast called Brood and Seasons, which I've listened to for several times. It's very good. <laughs> um, where she has conversations with her co-host, Yeda Abdul, surrounding their spiritual awakenings, as well as giving tips and tricks, giving tips and tricks for navigating a spiritual life. So, hey, Chelsea, how you doing? Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm very excited for this. I'm happy to support you. And yeah, that that's all right. That's all true. <laughs> Everything she said is true. Yay, we're telling the <laughs> truth today. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. Off to a good start. One o'clock. <laughs> I love it. So my first question for you is, well, let's start at the very beginning because I like to start there. So you, um, like you said, you've gotten your Emmy in sing music and music education. So I'm guessing you started singing when you were young. Like, yeah. how long have you been singing? Yeah, <laughs> I, I have been singing for a very long time. I mean, since I was three, I really, I knew that I was, you know, but I, I think there are a lot of kids that start singing as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very into theatrics, uh, very Mm. into costuming, design, theater. And that always held a space in my heart. And I would just hyper focus on like Barbara Streisand films and Mm. and Judy Garland records and like just really normal behavior for like an eight year old, (laughs) you know, just totally normal. And my my parents introduced me to like those films, old films, funny girl. I don't know if Mm. anyone understands anything that I'm saying. (laughs) It's just really old films by really old people now that's that's my niche and so I would just watch these movie musicals and watch them on repeat and that only encouraged me to sing that repertoire because you know after you watch a movie you want to sing those songs and then I realized "Mm, okay I kind of have this golden oldies voice that's fun (laughs) and then that pipeline to like musical theater jazz and then when I went to college I I studied classical music classical singing so I was trained technically as far as a classical singer because that's kind of like what's mostly encouraged in western music schooling mm-hmm. um so the thing is I was I was breaking through my my fiance at the time my husband now has a degree in jazz studies so mm-hmm. there was a jazz opportunity at 
the school that we went to for undergrad because that's where we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just did the best I could. There were jazz voice jazz classes and I would take that on the side and also incorporate that repertoire. So like I would have like a jazz set at a recital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I always was striving to also keep singing like American popular song mm-hmm. uh, and keeping that part of me alive too. But also like very understanding of like, you know, the, the ins and outs of classical and, and why I should also be like well-versed in that. You know, I wasn't, it wasn't like, I was like, I don't like this. Like I wanted to be like cultured. Like there was this (laughs) like, you know, like I wanted to have that independent study and, and be able to Mm -hmm. like have repertoire. And I knew as I studied it, that it would only benefit me moving forward because I knew in some capacity I was going to be teaching music. So Mm -hmm. I knew that having this repertoire would be helpful for the future, whether or not I sang it so I had that kind of knowledge already I I knew that was coming Mm -hmm. and then I finished my undergrad and I I was student taught I was slated to teach in private schools but I just really never wanted to do it Mm -hmm. it was just something you know like I I student taught but it was really not the greatest experience for me come to find out I am late diagnosed autistic ADHD Mm. so (laughs) schooling in itself can be very very traumatizing now imagine someone sure now imagine a person who has been traumatized by the school system try to teach within that school system Mm -hmm. it's even more traumatizing because it really opens up all of the inadequacies within our systems Mm -hmm. and it just becomes like really uh, just aggressively in your face like oh there are a lot of issues here like the way the way <laughs> the system is designed, as we yeah. know, right? So it was just frustrating for me. And I knew that I wanted to forge a path very early on. I knew I always was going to beat to my old own drum, mm-hmm. even though family was like, you just got six years worth of music degrees. What do you mean you're going to start teaching privately, going door to door in your car? What do you like... <laughs> What are you crazy? <laughs> like, tra- also, you know, I'm like, what, traveling the harsh tr- terrain of suburban Long Island? I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> like, and like wealthy areas too. Like, I love that. <laughs> like, they were like, it's just. I remember I was pregnant, and somebody was like, "Oh, you're gonna be like going from door to door with your kid." I'm like. My kid's not coming to work with me. I'm not impoverished. Like, this is how I make a living so that I can have help at home. You're so. like, my kid is inside my body still. Right, right, right. It, They're already talking be fine. about it. Yeah. Which goes to show you how much people also like to comment on women's bodies and of what course. you're going to do after. Like, just when you're a pregnant woman in America, pregnant femme presenting, mm-hmm. oh, Lord Almighty, everyone has a comment. This this conversation is going to get derailed several it's times. No problem. Music study too. I don't mind. To, I love I love how much you're laughing. This is great for me. This is no, because I'm thinking I like love you. I'm thinking like seven other things. So first of all, I have to go back to the school Speak system. Speak to me. Yes. Yeah, because like I speak to me I, I love you i love you too you're great i just think to myself so i don't have any type of diagnosis but i just think that i sitting in school for hours on end i couldn't do it like i'm not meant for it so anybody who 
I would just dissociate, man. I don't even remember school. Like, I would be like, what, else, what is pertinent? Exactly. So I just like, so when you were saying that, I'm like, man, for like, for anybody who, and I have several friends who have ADHD and like, you know, anybody who has like any type of neurodivergence, I'm like, I don't know how you guys did it. Cause I'm, I don't know. I've never done testing or anything, but I'll sit there sometimes. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. Even like mathematics. I'm not good at oh. math. And everybody's like, oh, you shouldn't say you, that. Right. How can you be bad like that? It's yeah. Like, mm. And I'm like, no, I'm bad. So like my parents, God bless them, especially my dad. He was just like, if you get a C, it's fine. Because I know you tried to get that C. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, I was right. Like, <laughs> like they knew, they at least knew what you were capable of. Yeah. It didn't force you to, to try to be at another level of capability. No, Exactly. I'm yeah. like, I'm good at history and I'm sure. I read a lot of books. And my yes. parents were like, good, that's fine. Just yeah. do that. <laughs> we all have our intelligences. This is so true. Exactly. So, And I always think like, man, we really try to make kids sit down for mm. hours. Oh, my God. It's and so just true. Yeah. What are we doing? I don't no, think that's okay. No, <laughs> I don't like either. <laughs> I know. I don't either. I, I, I vacillate because, like, I have a kid now. She's four. Mm-hmm. And... I am like, I don't know how she's going to do in the school system. I'm like, mm-hmm. every day I'm like, God bless you. I hope you're not like me. <laughs> and then every day I like watch her on like the little nanny cams in her preschool classroom. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh God, she's alone again. <laughs> and I send pictures of her alone, like just always playing alone to yeah. my husband. And he's like so devastated by this. And I'm like, yeah, but she's vibing. She <laughs> so does not care. Like, yes. you know, it's just hard to see your child probably also autistic. <laughs> like, 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 it's hard. Oh, no. It's hard. It is yeah. hard because we, we are so ableist in our society. And like the norm is to think like everyone gets along and we're social yeah. and, we, and we share. And uh, some brains just like doing their own work. It's fine. It's fine. Your daughter is me. I used to just like <laughs> be by myself. Mm-hmm. And I... I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Only only in my memories am I like, oh, that was sad. Right? I know. And I feel like it's other people telling you like, yes. but you were by yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but I was reading my books and I right. was just, I made up fantastical stories about yeah. all sorts of things. Oh, I was my, having a great time. Oh, Ashley, <laughs> we have to talk. <laughs> Did you sit alone at recess? Yes. Several times. <laughs> All I did was sit at recess or talk to the teachers. Oh, that was my other thing. That's a big one. You know how I made friends in school? This is so shady. So when I was, <laughs> I had friends in my neighborhood, some, some, but the, oh, it's a long story. But anyway, I had, um, Underst- understood. I think I read way between the lines right there. <laughs> it's fine. But like, so when I was like, and I think I started this in fourth, fifth grade, for some reason, I, I got like bullied and stuff, but also like, other people knew that I was a steel trap. Like you could tell me something Ooh. and I wouldn't really tell other people. So other kids would be like, oh, actually I have a problem. And I'd be like, tell me a problem. So I made a book, like a burn book. Like in Mean Girls. I love this. this and is I like very, <laughs> but it's like Harriet, right? The As, Oh my God, why? Harriet the Spy. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. It's like that. And like, I was, I was recalling this the other day. I was like, man, maybe I'm a bad person because I used to keep this book and I had who liked who in the book. It's and- giving <laughs> neurodivergent, my friend. The more you talk, I'm like, I no. might be, I don't know. I think so. Every was- day, every day I tell Kenyatta, I'm like, 
I'm just saying. She's like, I don't. And then the other day, she's like, just shy of autistic. I'm the jury's out on that. Like now, I've got her saying, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> like it's like one day of being friends with Chelsea, <laughs> one week of being friends with Chelsea, you know. And then yeah. it's like two months being friends with Chelsea. Listen, I found this book. <laughs> And I'm starting to, you know, it's like you start to, because we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. You know, and, and our normal is our normal. So like exactly. just going through life with our own little systems that like surviving. Exactly. Like this makes sense to me. I used to just record everybody's business. And, I love that. And, and not like, I wouldn't threaten people, but like everyone knew I knew. So they had to stop messing with me a little bit. Cause I was like. I was like, say something to me again. And I'm telling her that you like her. I and I'm telling power. her everything you said. The but power like, you hold. <laughs> it's not good. Like, I caused oh. a fight one time. Not great. I told this one. I knew this one boy liked this girl that I was like kind of cool with. And then I knew another boy liked her. So I told this one boy that she was saying stuff about him to the other guy. Because this boy was making fun of me. And I don't she like him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly... Yes, just what what was that for justice? Oh my god, <laughs> that was mad. I'm mad. You know, an extreme no, because the thing is, you feel like <laughs> now this is turning into a therapy session, <laughs> and then we'll talk about whatever the hell I do. But but an extreme sense of justice is also an autism treat and apparently it wasn't just because i'm like some hard italian that like likes to complain also i'm jewish so yeah. like like i was like maybe it's just cultural maybe it's just like because you know jews there's a thing called kvetching mm -hmm. where we kind of like complain but it's you know just like about something ancillary like non-important just like a small thing like oh there's a draft <laughs> I hate that, you know, like, yeah. but then the Italian side, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just really aggressive and I get it from my grandpa. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I think my Italian grandpa had autism. Like, I'm just like, oh, is it Italian or is it actually just like you're, you're they were overstimulated, overwhelmed mofos, like just struggling out here. I'm like, hmm, I'm just really unpacking a lot. Anywho, did you, what, what was your other question? No, it's we're we going to get to it because now I have another comment. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> because, okay, I am at work, especially, and throughout my life, I have been known to be a little too honest. <laughs> yeah, a little too. Because when I have a problem, everybody's like, oh, my God. And I can't even believe she said that. And I'm the one who's like, hey, you, why did you say that? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about it. Like, <laughs> I do yes. this at work yeah. with this one person at my job who everybody will like say stuff. Oh, blah, 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 blah. But when they come around, I'm like, hey, you explain this. Like, let's talk yes. about. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're just saying I it. can't believe she's just starting something in the I'm office not, right now. It's like I'm and they not, think you're starting something, yes. but you're just trying to bring it to light. Because I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, no, let's get you over want it, it to be done. Yes. yes. I'm willing to go through the fire to get to the other side yes. where there's paradise. Most people are comfortable with a low flame for hours. I hate it. I don't like that either. No. Mm. I don't like this stirring. Like, I don't like when we have, we all, we're all upset. Yes. I literally lost a friend like two years ago. Well, almost. This is somebody I work with who I have to sit next to every day who will not speak to me, who I used to be very good friends with. Oh because my God. <laughs> it's so awkward. She started basically being super shady to me, making little comments. 
So one day I got a little snappy and I think I said something to her like, oh, okay, you want to start something or whatever. Not like that. <laughs> Not that yeah, yeah. You want to go? Yeah, no, no I but, think, I, but I get it. I guess I said something and then she's like, oh my God, I can't even deal with you. So I realized that like what I had said was in public and I was like, okay, I shouldn't have said this in public. So I was like, listen, let's go in this back room and talk. So I took her to the back room. I did. Oh, Chelsea. Which I don't then give a shit. sounds like Oprah's don't never go to location two. Exactly. I'm like, no, no, no. We're going to go to the back room. I said, these are, I said, number one, I'm sorry that I was snapping to you just now. Maybe that was unnecessary. But you I apologize. already took accountability. Yeah. I said, I know I was being a little bitchy. I apologize. I said, but these are the things that you've done that hurt my feelings. And I just want to, and I told her, let's get it out. I, we're friends. Right, we're supposed to chit chat. Yeah. yeah. And to this day, and this girl, and the whole time she's like, well, you're mad. I'm, I'm, this podcast is not about this. I'm sorry. But, like, <laughs> but she was basically saying, like, I was mad at her and that's my problem. Blah, blah, blah. Right. This girl will not speak to me. It's not a problem. I don't care anymore. But it's just like, right. why no, do you want to have a problem? Like, we're especially if we were supposed to be friends. Like, yes, let's yes. let's talk about it and clear. the. And I've had right. other friends in my life who like are good friends who we've done that. And we cleared the air and it was over. Yes. Like, yes. I think some people perceive us not as as close as we perceive we are with them. Yeah. So we'll care and bring it to light. And then those people tend to be like, all right, it wasn't even that deep. Yeah. And we're like, are you kidding me? It is deep. You're yeah. in my friend circle now. Ew. Like, <laughs> like you can't. I just what? And it confuses us. Oh, oh, Ashley. It's cr- and I'm, if I hurt your feelings, like I did something to my sister and I hurt her feelings and she was like, Ashley, I didn't like this. I was like, oh, I didn't I'm even so know that was a right. problem. I'm sorry. And then right. we were over it. And yeah, I know it's my sister. I love her. But like anybody, I just want that level of comfort. Yeah. Like yeah. just tell me that I messed up and I'll, I'm not right all the right. time. It's not a big deal. Right. Oh. You're not look Right. You're not looking. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm with you. Who knows? Maybe I don't know what's going on in my brain, but I'm glad okay. to hear that this is not. But I under here. no, yeah, no, because having like being neurodivergent, having a neurodivergent brain, there's something that makes us feel like we must be a bad person, but it's like literally our symptoms. <laughs> okay, good. It's unfortunately not even like a part of. It's not even like Ashley developed this tumor in her brain, and like it makes her want to say these things, and it's like no. No, you're actually, your brain is wired to think like this and it's mm. not, and it's not your fault. Well, I, I again, never been tested, but I, I might need to get tested because I, and you know, it's so funny. I constantly think Send like the other day link I know, <laughs> to the Radzar. That's how I started. I started, I mean, there are so many reasons to also not get diagnosed for, yeah, you, I'll send you a lot of research things, but <laughs> For purposes like insurance, if I needed support, if I had oh, to get yeah. support needs, it works and it goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also get a healthcare provider that just says like trans, you know, life transition mm-hmm. and can still get you, you know, any sort of support needs if need be or any medications that you might need. Mm-hmm. The medication that I'm on wasn't even given to me under the ASD, DSM, you know, mm-hmm. diagnosis. It was literally under like life adjustment because I was I was leaving New York and moving to Indiana. So Mm. it just depends on the type of support needs. And I haven't even researched it fully, fully yet um, because it was just important for me to also get that validation, like for my own journey to know, Okay, I'm not like going totally crazy here. But having that brain affected my work in schools and how much I could really bring to the table. 
but I also knew how much I was kind of butting heads with, you know, superintendents and my bosses. Mm. And, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't like cut out for it. I knew that I was different, but I also knew I had a different side to me that was like very like people pleasy and like, yeah, I, I just wanted to do right by people. I wanted to be sweet and kind. And yeah, it just was a different version of me that I was just like people pleasing a lot and thus masking entirely. So it really did affect my quality of life and affected like how I could work. <clears throat> so I could really only work under the paradigm of working in studios where I was like one-on-one with students mm-hmm. working for other people. But even that, it really wasn't the best. I would do that for like extra extra work like Mm -hmm. you know just as like a you know stable income and then I would have my my own private studio that I started pretty much right out the gate like like I started right after my master's I worked a year in a studio and then made some connections within that community just people that saw me going to the musicals and things like that like I just started really small. It's basically the online version of, you know, what we do in Witch and Famous and like Mm -hmm. how she teaches us to like market. But it's Mm -hmm. basically like I made a couple of connections, you know, just like making conversation online and like talking to people and reaching out. But I would I would make a couple of connections. I would advertise right in the like what is it, program, like your musical theater program. And it'd be like, you know, it's supported by Cam and Music and whatever I was going by for the like in-person stuff. And then little by little, I would have students that said like, I work with Chelsea Cam and blah, blah, blah. And I would have a few people in the school musical that were also saying they're working with Chelsea Cam. what Mm -hmm. does that look like? It looks like Chelsea Cam knows what she's doing. (laughs) Because Chelsea Cam is teaching all the leads of this. You know what I mean? So like slowly but surely, at the, towards the end of my career there, you know, people would be like, I heard you were doing this. I heard like, so you build buzz just yes. by like the kids loving you, which Aww. is, you know, like yeah. it's very easy to do that. And like also being good. But I think just like how I was personable with them and like able to do all that. But also, you know, that put me in a box too. It was constricting in ways because I had to be a certain me again to deliver the lessons to, you know, wealthy people in a wealthy area. You know, you have to look a certain way, I feel, and you have to act a certain way. So it was just a lot of, I thought that I was just putting on my school teacher, you know, mask. And the reason why it all kind of came to light now is because then I was... Just like working on, I had older people now asking me, like people my age. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I can't put on like the teacher to kid persona anymore because this is a friend. Yeah. And so my brain would literally like kind of switch. Like I would have my own code switching, Mm -hmm. like from, you know, one, one set of like being a teacher yeah to like friend it would be hard to transition so if I was working with a friend I was like really stiff and uptight and like Mm -hmm. it just was weird so I'm working on unmasking so that I can weave in and out of both worlds right so I was doing that and I was like there's a secret third thing that is wrong with me and I don't know why I'm like this. Like I truly didn't. I thought I was just like a performer. Yeah. And then I went into like autistic burnout. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just a total mental breakdown, but it was literally burnout. Mm -hmm. And I remember literally between sessions, like I would be teaching, I'd be like, okay, bye. I'll see you later. And, and I'd scream. (laughs) 
I would literally scream. It got to two weeks where I was at my worst. And I'm so self-aware. I was like, I would tell my husband, like, I'm having a mental breakdown. And he's like, I can see. He's like, this doesn't look good for you. You don't have to tell me. I see it very clearly. So luckily, I yeah, I got I got some medication after that. And like things have been on an up upturn, upswing, uphill. That's good. Not uphill. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know what you would say. Okay, That's anyway. Not, I get I'm it. Like, it's, a downhill? It's been better. You're it's, managing it better. Yes, we're okay. all managed. Symptoms are managed. And now that I know I have autism, I'm able to manage my own like overwhelm and all that, which plays into the work that I do. So like, yeah. I like to help people, especially neurodivergent people. We're, a lot of us are very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And if you're anything like me, you're definitely like, I, I never got diagnosed or anything with like RSD or like rejection sensitive. But... I'm sensitive. If a Mm -hmm. close friend of mine has a differing opinion, I'm like, damn, that's it. It's over. Like, (laughs) you're like, I just need to change everything about myself now. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. But it's also okay that, like, they're... Anyway, so... I'm like, that's okay. But, yeah, so, like, working now with more autistic people, more neurodivergent people... It is my audience to speak to because I know how hard it is to first show up for a voice lesson mm-hmm. that that is, first of all, online for the first time. There, There's a lot of parts to it. Mm-hmm. But then there's this component that's also, I'm a healer. Yeah. So so this is where it gets good. I was healing in, in the closet. I was a closet healer, closet <laughs> witch. Because I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted to still come across as like this normal person mm-hmm. to these wealthy clients that I was serving. And because also, you know, it's like everybody goes to church. Every, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't want to be weird. You don't want to be that one person yeah, that's yeah. like serving the public, asking for, you know, a decent fee. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, being totally uh, weird for them. Mm-hmm. And so... When I, just before my husband and I got married, I had always been wanting to study psychic work, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I posed the question, I was like, do you think I could take, it was like a really early on, like the first online classes that were coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Like t- 2012. Mm, this was like okay. very new. Yeah. And it was an online community. And I think I paid like $360 for this class. And it was like a lot for us at the time because we were like 23. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, ooh, big spender. <laughs> But it was this class and it was called Psychic, a Psychic Awakening Course. And now I think it's called Intuitive Awakening. But it was by this woman. Oh, gosh. Completely forget her name, but I see her face. She's like a New Zealander. Anyway, it'll come to me. And so I started working with her and I learned everything through this course. And also it was like on sale. It was a legitimate course. It sounds like a total... It was a real legitimate course with like a real good person. I'm like, I believe oh. you. I'm like, three hundred dollars in 2012 was a lot. Okay. Oh yeah, it's um, a lot of money. It's and it was you... discounted, but I was like, I gotta get on this. Yeah. But yeah, so there was. I learned formally how to read tarot, even though mm. I've been messing around with my cards for years, and so I had been formally learning tarot, formally learning pendulum work. There was like just every kind of part of also like. We would do picture gazing. What do you pick up from this person? What's their story? And we would just grow our psychic muscles. And then we would read for each other. And our final was to like read one another. 
through the pictures and we, you know, you can meet up if you're nearby and things like that. Anyway, so I'd gone through this extensive training and then had kept working on it. I mean, I, you learned everything from like binaural beats and like just frequency. Yeah. It was really like kind of like a crash course to everything. Mm -hmm. And so this opened a door for me, but I kind of kept studying it privately and not really, you know, sharing it with anyone again. I was still doing primarily voice teaching work. Mm -hmm. And then I, we had a house fire in 2015. Mm-hmm. It was a rental house, and we both weren't there, luckily. Mm-hmm. And this was way before our daughter. And that kind of catapulted me, though, because after that fire, I was looking for holistic healing modalities. So mm-hmm. I was looking into things like Reiki and acupuncture and things like that. So I got into Reiki And then from there, I learned, I studied, you know, the first, second, like certifications for that modality. And I offered it again, just for friends, nothing Mm -hmm. crazy. Like I was not charging anyone. I still wasn't super confident in my abilities. I really felt like I had to wait a little bit longer. But yeah, so I I was attuned and all that. And I was just providing it for friends and doing card readings for friends. And that was always like on the side. Mm-hmm. And then come like 2020, 2019, I started also like making like witchy bottles and selling it in stores. And then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just feeling like kind of burnt out. But like it didn't get so bad until last year because yeah. I really was at capacity because I was growing my business. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it just kind of like went one thing led to another. And so in the last couple of years, like I'd offered spiritual mentorship. And then I thought to myself, well, what if a voice lesson just felt like a healing session? Mm -hmm. What would happen if I kind of combined that like and let that be the way I help people I still do Reiki and I still do sound healing in person where I live now. I have clients that come here and Yetta and I do healing events once a month where she does Reiki for everyone in the community Mm -hmm. that shows up to the event and I play sound bowls. Mm -hmm. So like we work together with that too and I have those things on the side but my main focus online has been like getting more people to sing and realize like this is a healing modality. Singing doesn't only I think a lot of people think they should be taking voice lessons if they are a great singer or to become a great singer. But I think there's also something to be said about somebody that is willing to lead you, yeah, regardless of your sound, and won't judge you for that. But is also not capitalizing on the fact that like you might be you know very vulnerable and like and you know I think a lot of people think like okay if I'm paying for this service I have to get better. Yeah, and I think. The thing is, the the natural progression is that you will get better because Mm -hmm. it still is a muscle. Yeah. But I think a lot of people tend to think, oh, if you market to people that can't sing, like that it's then vulnerable and and like exploitive. And Mm -hmm. but it's not about that. It's about being the disabled person Mm -hmm. leading other people within that community looking for guidance from a warm, natural, you know, source that's like there to actually help and be kind and not laugh at you or judge you for Mm -hmm. any sounds that you're making because we all make funny sounds like it's just like Mm -hmm. and I think that it's stressful to also put that pressure on people that you have like I have so many singers that yes can sing but if they have you know a crack in their voice or the warm-up doesn't sound great I'm like 
why are you making this like your Carnegie Hall debut for your warm up? Like, <laughs> yeah. who cares? I was like, just make a sound, like make it happen. Like, yes, we want it to sound a certain way so that it doesn't hurt. But that that should really be the number one, I think, takeaway for lessons. Like the first thing that teachers should really be checking for is, does this hurt? Yeah. Is this hurting you? Because I, you can make a sound that sounds great all day. You might be able to fool somebody, but you can't fool me. And you might be able to fool somebody. I think a lot of people out there can like kind of scream. And then the teacher's like, yeah, get into it. And I'm like, okay, but does it hurt? Um, Like, what would we do now if we could actually open your throat? I don't know. And like, we play around with that. So it's, it's a way that I can incorporate like my loving heart Mm -hmm. into a session because I I never could do it when a parent asked me, you know, okay, well, they're prepping for, and I love audition preps. I love mm-hmm. all that. But I, I hate the pressure of like, I have to be someone I'm not. Like they yeah, expected yeah. me to be Broadway vocal coach and I have to have this severity and sincerity and just, you know, be really like severe. And mm-hmm. I don't know, just, I said that already, but like, just That's be fun. very, you know, very uptight about things and I wanted it to be fun I wanted it to be more fun and really just a safer space for people because it just felt very like I don't know the old school way of of teaching which is like if you don't get this now you know like Mm -hmm. uh, or we got to keep working on this until it's perfect and for me I I prioritize mental health and wellness over whether or not you're singing the song really really well yeah or like getting it done like my method is like if I see somebody like basically banging their head against the wall with something or like they they feel like they're hitting a wall I don't let them do it again I tell them change the mood pick a song that you sing really well yeah then they sound great and then they realize you prove to yourself then like oh the other song's still in the learning process that's why I kind of suck at singing it right now because no one can really do things properly unless they really really know it you know Mm -hmm. any any one in the learning stage if you're in the learning stage of social media your posts at first are like oh yeah you know squeaky wheel and then eventually like it starts becoming a little bit more easy and you start putting out like things that feel very natural and Mm -hmm. fluent for you just like any other thing you know like doctors when they're training they're like i've never done surgery to (laughs) brain surgery like that pipeline happens over 16 years but it happens so i think it's very similar to singing in i mean not brain surgery but you know (laughs) no i get what you're saying though over time it definitely it definitely evolves and yeah that's kind of like how i created like that holistic Mm -hmm. healing voice space because I just, I like that. Like, I've always started somebody's first lesson with, wow, it is really so courageous that you're here today. Because yeah. it took so much courage for me to start my voice lessons. Because I was just always so afraid. I always had this fear that my voice teacher would judge me. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, maybe I would find out I'm not good at all. Maybe, yeah. I, like, that would be my worst fear, right? Whereas, like, if in my in the way I reframe things, it's like your worst fear is nothing because I don't even care if the sound isn't good or 
good what is good you know yeah, like yeah. i don't care i want to make sure that people are exploring their voices in a healthy way just like how a lot of people also say like oh i don't teach six-year-olds i don't teach seven-year-olds like they're too young i'm like yeah but they're gonna sing anyway and what better person than a voice teacher to guide them through certain songs that they would like to sing yeah. you can give them accurate tools so I, I i do challenge kind of the the norm and how people speak about who deserves voice lessons because mm-hmm. it's a very colonized thought process because mm-hmm. we've been singing since before there were voice teachers i think that's really you know important to note yeah there had to be you know what came first the chicken or the egg because there had to be someone to study what we were doing and say okay this is when we do this it makes it better when mm-hmm. we do this it makes it worse like somebody had to analyze all that and then somewhere along the line, we got this group think of what voice lessons should be and what you should be singing and in systems. And it's just because people don't want to breed individuality, but that's a whole other. I could talk about this. I'm, I haven't stopped. I'm gonna no. breathe. I'm gonna breathe. <laughs> no, you don't. Like, this you is. Got, you probably got questions. No, this has been. This is so good. And actually, it, it made me just think of what you were just saying. First of all, I love what you do. Because, like you said before, singing can just be, like, something you just do because you want to do it. It doesn't have to be, I want to be a Broadway performer. You could just be like, I like singing. So I want to try to learn how to do it better for myself. And I feel you're giving people such a good opportunity to do that. And you're not going in with, like, oh, I'm going to grill you and practice and you have to do it like this. I love that. And then it also made me think of... I cannot remember the lady's name, but there is this indigenous woman on all the socials. She's very popular and she does this specific style of singing that's specific to Inuit people. Yes. Yes. I've seen. Yeah. Where they do like the throat breathing. Yes. Yes. Throat singing. I know. Yes. I know. I wish I. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. So but then I was reading an article about it and it was saying how it was banned up until honestly, like not that long ago, but it was banned when. Canada was colonized because they were like, oh, it sounds like the devil. So we're going to make everyone stop doing this. Mm -hmm. And like, just like you're saying, like, that was their form of singing. That made them. And she's saying now, like her doing it with her mom also is bringing it's connecting her to her ancestors. It brings her closer to her culture. And it's like breathing more life into her culture by doing it. So it's like, man, like, again, we're taking away yes. people. Who we're, said we, it was we, bad? These people said it was right. bad when for them it was it was right. a form of fun. It was something that yes. they expressed to show their right. culture. It's beautiful. And you don't have to just sing to like go on a Broadway stage. Mm-hmm. Like it can be a form. I, I love, you know what side of TikTok I'm on? When people are doing like working songs and they're like doing I like. I love the, working songs. I just saw the, you know, where the. Did I you just that, see yes, that one? They think they were like, like in no, 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 Scotland or something. Yes. It yes. was some group so of cute. like the old lady and the, I know. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yes. Yes. And it's the same idea as like putting on that like hype playlist to just get the laundry done. Yes. Yes. Like, it's got to be the right one. Like. It's this is me folding things. <laughs> I just like flailing my arms. In case you're just listening, I'm just flailing my arms. I but enjoy yeah, folding. Like, there's so much that music helps us with, and so and I like to explore that, and that's why I'm also a sound healer. Mm-hmm. And I like to explore my own voice when I'm sound healing. The other day we had a healing event, and I just 
I like to channel, you know, the melodies that come through and everything. And I looked at Yetta and I'm like, should I sing? <laughs> like, I'm like miming to her while she's like, mm-hmm. like raking everybody. And we're both like, we both came to the agreement like, no, no, not today. <laughs> yeah. Not today. But I just wanted to see how she was feeling about it too. But I just felt like everyone was really in a zen moment. And it would just be like, like rattling everybody. If I was like, ha, like, you know, it's just too much. I'm just trying to teach people how to meditate. You don't have to make this your stage, Chelsea. You know, like, I try to also like see like, does my ego want to sing right now? Or does it feel immersive and healing? But yeah, like, so I'm, I'm just totally, I, I'm so immersed in music and sound. And I love how each culture and person uses music to amplify their own uniqueness. Yes. So that's why I also don't subscribe to like, this method is going to help you sound like this person. I don't want anyone to sound like anyone else but themselves. Mm-hmm. And like the last thing I've ever wanted is somebody to go to a recital studio of mine when I was working in New York and listen to it and be like, that's great, but they all sound like Chelsea. That <laughs> yeah, would be so yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. But instead, I would acquire students that were singer-songwriters. So they love to have like a different kind of sound than the pop star, mm-hmm. than the musical theater kid. And yet I was working with all of them because I've had, I have ample experience through all genres, but they could all come to me because they knew I wasn't going to change them. I was going to only like give them the technique to amplify what they already do. So I actually have a student right now. She's, she's in London for songwriting and she, she goes to college. Yeah. She was my student years ago, but we still keep in touch. But yeah, like she's, she's out there doing that. And like her technique has evolved so much, but she sounds so different than another student of mine who's off to college for musical theater Mm -hmm. and like just widely wildly different voices and yet i'm their same i'm the same teacher but it doesn't even sound like they have the same technique yeah which is like really key for me and and that's also i think you know you can fall into that when you're a classical singer a lot of people do start to sound the same because classical technique is is you know very like i use a lot of classical components that are the foundations for Mm -hmm. sure but it's not just classical it's just like proper technique which is like your tongue is relaxed your teeth are apart your soft palate's lifted it's basically like how can i make this the best little acoustic room that i can in here yes yes and that's how i break it down for people because think about if you're in an echoey room and the you know the roof is really really high that's the same thing your mouth is doing when you lift the soft palate which for anybody that doesn't know this is so important and i'm dying with the divine Mm -hmm. do you like how i have to like make this really (laughs) I do this during lessons too. Like, like I'll be like, plot twist. <laughs> I come close to the mic. I'm like, yes, for this. And everybody sees me doing. It. I'm like, it's my bit now. Okay, it's a part of an autistic girl needs bits so she has things to hold onto to make her funny, so that she just doesn't dissociate in front of you. Like, anyway, I love you. You're doing great. I need you every week in my life laughing at all my jokes. Oh, my God. This brings me back to my therapy sessions, which isn't supposed to be funny either. But she she would say had good material. You're hilarious. Thank you. Only with with people that receive me well. Like, if there are other people, 
probably neurotypical people. I'm sorry, Ashley. You're probably neurodivergent. I've, I've diagnosed you. It's literally not a problem. And also, I feel the same way. Some people, they'll just look at me like, what? I'm just like, like oh, oh, you God. find this funny? I'm being okay. weird again. <laughs> oh, God, I'm doing it again. I know. It's like, because I'm unmasking, it's like, oh, my God, I'm seventh grade me again. I feel like a oozy blob of, like, puberty right now. I don't know why, because I'm just like... I'm like, oh my god, this is why my friends used to call me Scrat from Ice Age. <laughs> if you are familiar with that 2001 classic, Ice Age. <laughs> we went to the movies in seventh grade and my, all my friends were like, Scrat's you. And I'm like, thank you. I mean, Scrat, what? So, so what I got out of that was like, okay, I'm hyperactive, but also am I like the star of the show? Yeah. I might bit. be. I might be. <laughs> It might be a little bit. They were definitely saying it like as you're an idiot like this thing. <laughs> but I loved it. I kind of liked being that role as a kid. Like I thought it was so funny to be the wacky, yeah. like quirky. I loved it. But then somewhere along the line, I was like, oh, God, this is so unseemly. I must yes. I must just like balayage my hair and not be seen and like be as thin as possible. And like just, you know, the... It just, oh, it, yeah. screams, it screams colonialism, Ooh. baby. I remember going to college and thinking, like, I have to be normal now. Like, I, was like, I, was like, yes. I have to like, work Like, really prep hard. yourself. Yes. Prep yourself. I'm going to wear cardigans. I know. I, I, oh, I'm going to wear, for, I, I like cardigans, but you know what I used to do? This is so weird. You, this is audio, but I used to, like, flail my arms around my friends because I thought it was hilarious. I would just walk <laughs> up to them and be like, oh. <laughs> And then I realized, like, in college, I was like, oh, these people don't, they don't oh, like people, that. <laughs> oh, you're not flailers? <laughs> you guys don't think, okay, this is not fun. Okay, I gotta, okay. I gotta, oh, I gotta go to a party and act cool. Oh, it, was, okay. it was only fun the first time? Okay. Right. So then what do we do? Like, we don't realize at the time it's like selective mutism in yes. ways that we're just like, I would feel like just a tenseness in my body. And this is also why I got got down the whole spiritual path because I felt so weird. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, maybe there's something that can explain it. And so people always told me as a kid, you're an old soul, you're different, you're quirky. Mm -hmm. And then it's funny, as I start to like unmask and realize like, oh God, I have this. Yeah. My, my, my parents were like, no, you don't. I'm like, oh, that's because sweeties, you do too. And I'm like, <laughs> I hate I to break it to you. Do you remember you used to sing? Like they would uh, sing like commercials from the 60s just as a stim, clearly. <laughs> Not just because they're just like fun, happy 60s commercial lovers. Like that's weird too. Because <laughs> I do things like this all the time. <laughs> because, Ashley, there's a deeper truth. I need you to title this podcast the podcast I realize I have autism. Like, like, please. And the thing is, what's not nice is to tell somebody, like, I think you have autism, right? Which apparently that's not nice. But, like. I'm not offended. Some people, right. Well, autistic people receive it and go, oh, that could be what's going on with me. But people who aren't mm -hmm. autistic go, like, 
you think I'm slow? Like, they really get offended. See, like, there yeah, are people no. that... Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's not a slow... It's not an intellectual disability alone. Yeah. You can have a comorbidity of intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I can't do sometimes is, like, make food or, like, process a really big emotion. All yes. on You know, like, I'm like, I'm crying immediately. Somebody's mad at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I think that part of it is, too, like... So my fiance, actually, he works with a lot of autistic adults, but they're, and I don't want to say anything wrong, but like they're at a different like functional. High, high support needs. Okay. Yes. That's yes. okay. It's okay. Yeah. I just don't want to say the wrong thing, but like, I know. yeah, okay. so they're at like a different level. So like, mm-hmm. I think even me, like that's what I'm used to seeing. So when I of think course, of autism, only, yes. yes. I think of that, that. And that's the problem. I think a lot of us have seen really just like high support needs, and and of course high support needs autistic individuals are going to be the thing that we focus on because that's the thing we're trying to help yeah to do yeah. Quotes. yeah yeah that's yeah the thing we're trying to help right but we we are now coming to realize like okay people with autism might need support they but it's it's incurable mm-hmm. it's not something we're we're here to cure and as somebody who was always by the way like hyper focused on like this nothing tells you you're more freaking different when you're like you have to tell yourself to be normal oh yeah or like it's it's like don't that's say so, anything weird that's that, what i used to say all is, the time yeah. how telling is that normal people don't say be normal <laughs> and i i literally put myself to bed laughing the other night because i'm like just queuing through my little rolodex in my brain and i'm like what's the most autistic thing i do oh the most autistic thing i do is Act normal. Try to just stay still. And like people don't realize that that was my backstory. That was yes. that's what was happening in my brain 24-7. Even sleeping though. <laughs> but like people, you know, just don't know what's going on in your mind. And though I am low support needs, mm-hmm. but it's like I have support needs as far as like okay, I know now I probably need like a weighted blanket. Mm -hmm. Like I have more like the sensory issues and the overwhelm. So like certain foods are a problem, like certain like foods can be safe foods. Again, never thought it was a safe food. Just thought, oh, I like this because I'm not feeling well. Oh my God. But it's like, you're t- I know. I just remember I something. Sorry. I'm like. Or Ashley. <laughs> Ashley and I are going to talk after this. She's going to be like. My what? sister's favorite thing to like joke about the fact that i say all the time is i have consistency issues i say it all the time i'm like there's certain things i'm like oh i can't eat that i can't eat that if i put that in my mouth i'm gonna throw up yes (laughs) because just the feel of it yeah like i I have a weird Mm -hmm. thing with yogurt i can only eat greek yogurt but regular yogurt i can i used to force myself to try to eat it because i want to be normal yes and then i but if i eat it i'm like i felt that way i felt that way about macaroni salad you take in from like Okay, I get it. You know? Yeah. Because, and then I'm just like, and then some people's macaroni salad is just like tangy mayo. Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't good. Are we collectively <laughs> liking this? And I, every, every like cookout, I'd be like, okay, I'm like trying to like this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just not, and I would try, I was literally trying to force myself to like it. I'm like, if I put it on the plate and I just, desensitize myself yeah. every time which again is a very normal thing you yes. do <laughs> i try so hard the only thing i actually worked that i did do was avocados i like okay. avocados now and i like force myself to like them 
But uh, oh, it worked for it, you. That's the only thing. But other but than that, do you, you see that like we're developing systems to like things, and that's <laughs> that's probably pro- <laughs> what most. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep. <laughs> no, I can't wait till we have this conversation because it's like, going to be great. I really, really thought that other people, I love you so much for making me realize this. Like, I really do go into, even I'm 30, almost 35. I'm like going to situations to be like, all right, don't say anything weird to make people think you're strange. Oh my God, Ashley, please, Jesus yes. Christ, for once in your life. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I literally just walked into the the town hall that I had to like get the key from for the event mm-hmm. and my whole routine of like who I first see changed. And so somebody was like, "Hi, what are you here for?" I'm like, "I Janet key event scared." You get just nervous. Right. I'm like I'm I immediately I'm sweating. Like immediately like my back is just pouring. I'm like, "Why am I like this?" And I just thought I had like anxiety, yeah. you know, social anxiety. So, like having all these sensitivities like made me a very different voice teacher. <laughs> we're getting back. Everybody, we're circling back. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. So, this has been the best conversation. I, I know this is amazing. I, I this. this is the best Saturday. I'm <laughs> Whether or not we air it on a Saturday. Sorry. This is, Yetta does the same thing. She's like, happy Friday. And I'm like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. <laughs> We've done that a couple times. That's no problem. I know. I know. But yeah, like I have always been very different. And so I knew that like as long as I could get in with the cool different kids, that worked for me. And then the adults came. And then those people were a little different because... I can spot a really weird theater kid a mile away. The adults, again, we are all masking and trying to look normal or... Yes. I... So, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. You're not interrupting me. I... Okay. I say this all the time. I'm just assuming that everyone else is masking. Because I used to say, I'm like, why do we get older and everybody just acts like this? Like, (laughs) I've said this a million times. Like, because I think of people I've known throughout my life and like... Yes. Even if they weren't wild or anything when we were kids. But I'm just like, so you just grew up and you just changed now? You just act like you're proper and, oh, so you're a mom now? So you act like you never got <laughs> drunk in my back seat and threw up? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> right. Well, I thought that there had to be a distinct change of personality. Me too. My whole life. Oh, Chelsea, I Ashley. swear to God. I My I whole know. life, I'm like, I'm not changing. Like, <laughs> I'm the And so now I'm like, okay, like in every day now that I'm unmasking, I'm like, how can I like show my inner child again? Mm -hmm. Because that's who I really am. Yeah. And like, you know, because so sometimes when I like catch myself being like snarky or like hating on something, I'm like, ew, that's a trauma response. You stop that right now. (laughs) Yes. That's a, like, no, you were taught that by mean girls. Mm-hmm. And so certain things I'm like, wait, why do I even think that at all? This person is lovely. Like, why did I even think that they were like, just this whole, it's, it's mind boggling because there are so many things that we're trained to be like mm-hmm. that we really aren't because kids are all like really pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like pre, pre, pre-K, like Lorelai's three and four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. They're all sweet, except there's one kid that's got a bad attitude. I said, you stick your tongue one more time out on my kid. We're going to fight. I, I No, but like at the, I saw him making a face at her and I was like, stop that. <laughs> and like my daughter's just like, 
Oh, I have almost fought a 12 year old over my sister. And I, I would do it again anytime, any day. I will fight yeah, a kid. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I used to literally get demerits like for a couple years in a row as a kid because my friends would come up to me and be like, I'm having a problem with this dude over here. And I'd be like fourth grade, like, <laughs> here we go. Like, okay, over by the yard. And otherwise I was like a really good kid and mm-hmm. like very smart, good at school. But like then was had this violent streak again <laughs> because I was autistic. Yeah. Right. So there's a sense of justice and this sense of like anger for people that are getting hurt. Mm-hmm. I didn't just want to hurt people. Of like I was not. just yeah. like, hey. And then like I just like beat a kid up one time and like everybody's like, what the fuck? Like Chelsea just beat up this boy and won. Like I'm like, you don't and like I got him bleeding. Like it was bad. Oh my god. Like, I was I scratched him. No, I'm not proud of this moment. I was also like Oh, it's okay. Eight. But Yeah, everybody lived. Um, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, everybody lived. I don't know. But that kid, like, that kid was scared of me then. It was, and I was like, and then my mom every year before school would be like, we're not going to get married this year, right? We're going to, we're going to not hit people. And like, I was just a rough rider. Your your motto was, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. <laughs> right, I want to like, be friends with everybody and be cool with everyone. But if you're going to start with me, I'm going right. to have to scratch I needed, you. <laughs> I needed justice. I didn't mean to make him bleed. I feel bad. <laughs> Sam. It's okay. He's out it's there. Okay. Still He's ma- out there. He's out there. I don't know what his, I don't even know what his name was, to be honest, which is sick. Like, that's how much I cared. And I didn't even know him. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, people that like voice teachers that beat up kids. See Chelsea, the voice witch. <laughs> because I, I, it's just, I just care so much. I just care so much. Chelsea, I can't. You're killing me. You're killing me right now. Oh my God. We're going to, I'm going to, we're going to talk really quick about our dish yeah. of the week. Okay. Our dish of the week. Let's yeah. do this. So sorry. No, do not be sorry. Mm. This is amazing. I this just feel like, oh, I guess I have to talk about other thing. Damn it. No. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it all. Oh, God. This has been amazing. Okay. So instead of having a dish this week, I was like, this is what we're going to do. Because you're from Long Island, right? Yeah. And you I went to Columbia. Born, born and raised. Yes. Yeah. In the city. Yeah. Okay. So I am city adjacent. I live in New Jersey. So I'm familiar with the city. Yeah. And I go there quite often. So we're going to just, pu- I pulled up some quick cheap new york eats because sometimes we don't need to cook all the time sometimes we can go get something to eat so i'm just gonna read a couple of them i find a cool article i'll put the link in the show notes so this is see what we could get for cheap because new york's if you guys don't live in new york it's expensive (laughs) that's why i'm in indiana now (laughs) you said i gotta get out of here (laughs) i am it's even like a studio apartment in new york like a, a crappy studio apartment now it's almost three thousand dollars a month. It's wild, yeah. yeah. But I love New York City in general, just because it's it's fun. It's just it's a yeah. fun place. There's there's a vibe there. There's definitely an unbeatable buzz. Yes, it's like I don't know. It's like nowhere else, at least that I've been yet. So, yeah. all right. So there's some places I don't think I've heard of any of these places, but it don't matter. <laughs> okay, pretend <laughs> exactly. So, guys, you could go to Little Rowdy's in the East Village, and oh no, it's called Unapologetic Foods, and it, the place is the dish is called a Rowdy Rooster. Looks like a very delicious chicken kind of sandwich. 
Nice. Okay. Then we could go for kimchi beer cheese. Ooh, what's that? I don't know, but you can get it <laughs> at the Good Fork Pub. That's fun. And we got a $7 breakfast. That's pretty good in the East Village at B&H wow. Dairy. Well, dang. I know. Lily and Lou's mm. is also this like upscale. <laughs> I'm Now I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can add these of things. Of course you can. That's the whole point. Um, go ahead. On Lexington Avenue, this place, Lily and Lou's, mm. it was, it's this Pan-Asian restaurant, but the best thing was they had gluten-free sesame chicken, mm-hmm. and that was next level for me because, like, I wasn't able to have that, and this was also when I was eating meat, I'm not eating meat anymore, okay. but it's just because of, like, dietary, like, needs, mm-hmm. because I'm sickly, but it's fine. <laughs> and it's also a textural issue, like, who mm. likes beef? Yeah, especially ground beef is kind of weird. It's another thing I force I, myself to eat I'm sometimes. I'm struggling. I struggle with meat. I mm-hmm. struggle with it. Even when I was a kid, I was just eating rice like for dinner. I'm like, this is fine. Malnutrition, find me. <laughs> but yeah, Lily and Lou's, you can get some gluten-free things. Where else do we go? There's, there's, oh my God, this, this, like, what do you call it? Hello? Diner? Oh, like a there's halal like, diner? Yeah. yeah. It's a, there's a d- diner on, it was called Green Kitchen, okay. East 76, I think. Mm. And first, uh, something like that. Don't know yeah. if I'm, if I have the avenue right at all, but East 76 is called Green Kitchen. We would get like, they do every kind of food really well. It's like surprising. Mm-hmm. You, you're like, I want guacamole. And they're like, here you go. And then you're like, I would like linguine with like a clam sauce. And they're like, here you go. And like both were good. So then we would just get confused. But those were like our our top ones. And yeah. Mm. Um, But yeah. Oh, my God. The food in New York is so delicious. But where I'm at now in Fort Wayne, there's a downtown. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's technically a city. It's the second smallest city in Fort Wayne next to Indy, Indianapolis. Okay. So it's like Indianapolis and then us. Mm. Um, so they're they're trying to, I mean, they're gentrifying it, mm-hmm. but it's, we'll call it what it is, what sorry. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's really what's happening because like who's coming in? New Yorkers are, mm-hmm. are buying, you know, like <laughs> are coming in to, to, you know, have a cheaper place to live mm-hmm. and. Yeah, anyway, there's a lot of food in in Fort Wayne, and there's actually an account, Fort Wayne Food Slut. <laughs> it's a girl from Fort Wayne, okay. person from Fort Wayne. I know. She's doing the Lord's work, though, because she puts <laughs> she puts food you can actually eat in Fort Wayne that's good and fun ah. and, and, like, all that, which, like, when you're first here, you're like, oh, my God, it's just cornfields. And, and then you get into the town, and then I'm like, okay, this is, like, a mini... This is like Long Island. This is exactly, I can do this. I'm gonna. But then you can literally be in farm area. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna find her and I will put that in the show notes too because yeah. that's fun. Um, Fort Wayne Food <laughs> There's a place, I think it's in Harlem. It's called the Red Rooster. I ate there once. It was I very good. I believe you. Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> I like the way you said that. It was very good. And I don't know, every time. I, oh, and also you can get good. Well, you have to be careful, but you can get good food at like the halal street cart. But you just have to be careful with the street cart because yes. just like make sure it looks all right. Because sometimes it looks a little sketch sketch. That's no problem. Yeah. Don't eat that one. Go yeah. to the next one. They're on every corner, especially if you're in Manhattan. You'll find it. Yeah. You, you'll know the good ones because they will be more packed. Yes. Yeah, so the one that has a line. Mm-hmm. Yep. So go to the line. Go to the place that has the line. Don't get it when it has the line, but go to it on its off hour. Yeah. Like the next yeah, Make the note. hour later. Yeah. yeah. Make note. Be like, okay, this one. This East one. 76. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's our food today, guys, because I was like... 
girl, I don't know what to do with this food today. So I was like, New York, that's great. Anywhere you go, it's the food is good. So this is a part of the show where I plug myself. So if you guys like this show, if you like hearing us chitty chat, because that's fun. I'm having a great time. Pause it right now. And you can go and follow, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating if you like on whatever platform you listen to us. And if you have any suggestions for episodes or any comments, you know, just be cool about it okay but you can like message me if you have comments or critiques you can email me at dine with the divine pod at gmail.com and then you can follow us at dine with the divine on instagram or and also on facebook my facebook page looks a little crazy because i just made it the other day i'll fix it but don't worry about it, everybody just just go so anyway let's move on so the next, the next thing and we'll go through this i don't have to go through because we talked a lot about this singing but i just thought this was a fun list to talk about so number one we're talking about singing. So I looked up, I was like, what's the history of singing? That's pretty big, but it doesn't matter. I still looked it up. And one thing they said that I thought was interesting was linguists. And why do people sing at all? Like, what happened? Do you think one day some, like, some Neanderthal guy was, like, doing hunting and gathering? And he was like, huh? And he was like, huh. <laughs> that's, that's a sound. That's, uh, and he's like, oh, oh, right, excuse right. me. But so there's a couple of theories. So one of the theories they say was, this one they said is probably not true and i think it's dumb they're like oh it was a mating call it's how people found you i'm like no people are banging to just bang because that's what people like to do what do they need a mating call for (laughs) yeah right that's dumb so i don't believe that one and most people were not like calling like they were close by and it's they were like hey you want to bang and the other person was like all right and then they (laughs) so that's serious and the other one they say it rose with the development of language, which could make sense, you know. And then also, this other person said there's a couple different things they think they needed it. Number one, we kind of talked about, like, those work songs. They were, Mm -hmm. like, making stuff less boring to do Mm -hmm. that they had to do. Some places, and actually, okay, this makes sense, to improve the ease and range of long-distance communication, there is a village, a very specific village, I don't know the name of it, in Turkey, where they have this specific method of calling each other through like specific whistles. It's very cool. It's like Ooh. its own language, but that's how that they is like. so yes. enticing. It's so like... cool. I have to find it. And because the area I think is quite mountainous. So it mm-hmm. just would like echo. So they would just be like, the other person would be like, okay. oh, okay, yeah, you want me to come over for dinner at six? I'm coming. <laughs> it was cool, yeah. That is so cool. I have to look that up Yes, now. I'm definitely going to look it up because I, I know I've seen several videos about it. And then some people said to one, another reason may be to enhance their communication with the divine or the supernatural. Yeah. Makes sense. To assist in coordination, cohesion, and cooperation of families and communities. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And then some people said maybe a means to frighten off predators or enemies or something like that. I said maybe. That's, I don't know. That's so funny to me thinking about it. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> big bear. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but then I think of that in a terms of not singing, but dance, right? I think of like haka dancing. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. I, yes. It's so cool, right? I get chills yeah. every time I watch hockey yeah. dance. Like, I could just yeah. watch videos for hours. Yes. So that's part of the reason they think singing came about. So then I found another article, which was fun. It was about what are the benefits of singing? Some There's, mm-hmm. like, a lot of benefits. Yes. Yes. We talked Stimulates about. Stimulates the vagus nerve. Ooh, yes. <laughs> that's in here, right? Stimulates mm-hmm. the vagus nerve. It actually can help increase pain thresholds. 
I heard. Tell me how. Okay, so here it says, when you sing in a group like, or a large choir, small, the collective singing causes your body to relieve and release yes. endorphins. Yes, and this hormone can produce positive feelings and change your yes. perception of pain. I didn't know about changing the perception of pain, but I do know it, there is a collective like magic that does happen mm-hmm. um, because you are releasing the endorphins. And then what happens is also if you're in like a chorus, you're releasing those endorphins and you're next to that person. They're also releasing the endorphins and you are also making this music that is to communicate. Mm -hmm. There is something that's like a much bigger feeling that is incorporated. And that is also like it it opens up a portal, I believe, for like connecting with the other side, Mm -hmm. with the divine and with our own higher selves. And I think there's like a magic to it that happens. And I think that's why people feel so compelled to also like like sing in choirs Mm -hmm. because it really does feel good but it also improves like your breathing you have the article i'm sure you have oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) it it, it's okay one thing it says it may improve snoring which i thought that could be yeah yeah i'm like i got it i sing all the time though and my fiance says i snore loud but whatever and okay you already said this improves lung function So it can mm-hmm. help with different conditions, COPD, asthma, right. cystic fibrosis. And then another one we got brings, oh, this one is kind of, we talked a lot about this, bringing a sense of belonging connection. Yeah. yeah really helping people feel. Yeah. Like they're more part of something and the, something could be the greater beyond. It could be a mm-hmm. group, whatever, you know, makes you feel. And okay. This one I also knew enhances memory in people with dementia. Well, yeah. I, have you seen that one woman, she has dementia, and yet every time they're like, play this piano song that you knew in like 1970. She could say, play like, it perfect. And she goes, I don't know yeah. it. And then she goes to the piano, did it, did it. Yes. Oh, my God. It's because her muscle memory, some somewhere in the back of the mind, she remembered it. With mm-hmm. my grandfather, he, he had dementia at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And didn't really know who I was. Knew I must have been family. Like, Mm -hmm. he had that memory, like, that knowledge, knowing that family was visiting him. Mm -hmm. But didn't know necessarily who was in the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, he loved listening to old music, Mm -hmm. Eddie Fisher, Mm -hmm. like, really old stuff. And we would listen to that. He was literally just floored, so happy, would be, like, just, like, enjoying life, you know? And there's like lyrics, like he he would remember things that he would know, mm-hmm. and like what what's what is that? Why can't the brain remember their child of X amount of years, but then can go into elaborate song? I know, <laughs> it's very very interesting. It's how so interesting. Works. They have, and I think, I think in terms of not singing but music, there's another video I found one day, and it was so cool. I think this woman, I think she was French. And she's over the age of 100. I'm not sure how old she was, but she had dementia. As, and she used to be like a principal ballerina for a company. As soon as they put on like the main song for Swan Lake, this woman couldn't really walk. She was in her wheelchair. She was like, like she put her, she was doing the whole movement. Wow. And they oh played like they played the video of her dancing next to like her. Yeah. Side. And you Ugh. could see she was actually doing all the fingers and the, it was she immediately remembered how to do it it was so cool to watch and like she was like oh it was beautiful i got chills it was awesome so another one it helps with grief this is Mm. this is really random but i listen to 
random music. I listen to a lot of music. There is this group called Laboratorium Pinsy. I'm not saying it right. Mm -hmm. It's a Polish group. And they made a whole album of funeral songs like that people in like different Slavic cultures would sing because they would have like a vigil overnight. Like, you know, different cultures do that. And they would sing specific songs while they they would have a vigil with like sometimes the body there and all the women would sing these songs to like get through the night. And they made a whole album of it. And it was kind of cool. Yeah, just to like listen to them. And they do that. You're going to know what it's called. And I'm going to say it wrong. Is it polyphonic singing? Where they, yeah, 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 where they like all sing like I don't know how yeah. to explain it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. all together. Yep, 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 it's yep, yep. Very cool. It, yes, it's it's that all parts are together. Yes, yes, yeah. It's oh, yeah. I love that kind of singing. I'm like obsessed with it. Yeah, and then it helps. And I know this from my last job, not my last job, but a job I used to have. I used to work in like an acute rehab, so we get a lot of people who had strokes, mm-hmm. and our speech therapist would sing with them because she yes. said that singing helps. You can usually sing before you can speak so a lot of them who lost parts of their speech it helped them a lot when they could sing the words instead of having to say them because it was much easier so yeah so So cool yeah singing improves the ability speeching ability with people with autism parkinson's Mm -hmm. disease aphasia following a stroke and a lot of people have do have stuttering apparently Mm -hmm. can help them too yeah so yes a lot of people who stutter if you have them sing a song they don't stutter through the song because they already know the words they already know the melody a lot of times stuttering happens because they don't know necessarily what they're going to say next so it becomes that makes sense a disability yeah interesting so okay so that's you guys some of the benefits of singing it's amazing and if you want a singing lesson definitely go to chelsea because she's she's not gonna judge you she's gonna be like girl let's go so (laughs) now it's gonna be story time i'm gonna tell you a story about somebody who when i the more i learned about you it kind of reminded me of her story because this person was doing something very different and people were looking at her cockeyed like girl what are you doing Mm -hmm. so I thought it would be fun to tell this story. Okay. So here we go. So we're going to tell the story today of Sister Rosetta Tharp. Have you ever heard of her? No. All right. It's going to be fun. I don't think I... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Don't worry. (laughs) So Sister Rosetta Tharp, she was born March 20th, 1915 in Cotton Plant, Arkansas. So her parents were cotton pickers in Arkansas. And her family was pretty religious. They were part of a church called the Church of God in Christ. So they went to church every Sunday. Very, very religious. I think her dad, I didn't write this down, but I think her dad played an instrument and then her mom sang in the church. So they brought her to church because they realized, okay, she could kind of sing. So they brought her into the church and she was doing it, singing the choir, but then they gave her a guitar when she was six. And like within months, they were like, damn, Rosetta, you can do everything. So they called her little Rosetta Newbin and she was cute. Yeah. So she was so good that her mom and her went to Chicago and they would travel with the group to different churches singing because she was that good. So she became known as a guitar prodigy throughout all these groups. And by the age of 19, she went and married a preacher named Thomas Sarp. And he was part of the church of God in Christ. But she left him a few years later. Because he sucked and he was like abusive and I think he was cheating on her a whole bunch of times. So she's like, never mind. So she, so she left him and then she moved to New York with her mom. Now, speaking of masking, 
this sister Rosetta was doing a lot of that in her own way so she you know she got married to this dude because that's what she was supposed to do she was singing gospel music because that's what she was supposed to do but and I posted a, a video in the show notes too when you see this woman sing it's like she's possessed by some otherworldly spirit uh, it's so cool like I have to check this oh out yeah now. and she's a very unique voice so it's very very neat so she left her husband moved to New York with her mom and she started to move away from just singing gospel music and started singing a little bit of secular music. Mm-hmm. So people were like, what are you doing? And she's like, no, this is fun. Let's do it. And the people are like, no, this is dumb. But she didn't care. <laughs> so within a few months, and she's living in New York City. She started playing at the Cotton Club. And the Cotton Club was like a huge, it's a jazz club, I believe, mm-hmm. in Harlem at the time. So this is probably around the 30s, you know, the Harlem Renaissance. And she was playing at Carnegie Hall. She made friends with Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, Dizzy Gillespie, Gillespie, sorry. So she, you know, all these big names, she became very good friends with them. She was playing at all these clubs in New York. So this is a quote from a book called Tough Mothers that I really like. And she was in this book. But in her fame, Tharp found she was walking a tightrope. She had to not be too religious for the secular New York City and not too inauthentic for the church audiences down south. Instead of bending to one or the other, she pushed ahead with her own unique blend of the two. She refused to be pigeonholed as a novelty for New Yorkers, and she refused to stick to the calcified history of gospel tradition. She instead kept pushing her blend of gospel and dance music further and further, and thus was born what we know as rock and roll. So a lot of people call Sister Rosetta Tharp, yeah, the mother of rock and roll, you know, this is before Elvis and before all of those other guys and that they mention all the time. But and she was one of the first women to play the electric guitar the way that she did. So it was very unique. This is so cool. Oh, my God. I'm, you know, after this, I'm going to be on a whole <laughs> Rosetta Tharp bender. I'm like, it's over. Like, Damn, very- you just gave me a, a new hyper focus for Saturday. Frick. Three hours later, <laughs> you know, really ex- you're a Rosetta Tharp expert right. now. <laughs> like, can we go back to that podcast? And I have more to say now. I have more oh, to God. say. She's amazing. <laughs> she is. She's- this is, I can't wait to, to read more. <laughs> I really can't. Oh, my God. You're so funny. She, like, so she... Her voice was super powerful. She, so at this point, she realized, she's like, damn, I'm actually the shit. So she's like, I'm going to get rid of this. And her ex-husband, who she like left, the only thing she kept from him was the last name. And she started going by the name Sister Rosetta Tharp. And she was touring and she started partnering with other acts. One of the acts she partnered with uh, was a lady named Marie Knight. And they rumored to be lovers, which mm-hmm. was probably true. So, so... Of course, for the time, it wasn't cool to be gay or bisexual. So she was always like, no, no, I'm not. But many people. This is my buddy. Yeah, she's just, we're just good friends. But many people knew that she was bisexual or gay, which we don't know how she identified. But everybody kind of knew it wasn't a secret. And right, right. you think there was a lot of people like Little Richard. You know, he never said that. Right. Yeah, but he right. was gay. And <laughs> yeah. they mentioned somebody else. Like there was a bunch of people. 
who were in the community, but they just, you know, it wasn't cool back then. So you couldn't say it. But anyway, so she also started a all band, all girls band called the Rosettes. And it was really cute because I like that name, the Rosettes. It's adorable. <laughs> so she actually, too, she got really, really good at business because she was starting managing her own career, basically. Mm-hmm. And because she had to go down south and she was a black woman, she had to figure out how she could go and perform and navigate this Jim Crow South that she was, you know, she was from that area. But she was super, super smart. So what she would do, she bought her own tour bus so that she didn't. Yeah. So she didn't have to stay in hotels and that she could eat on the bus whenever she wanted. She could order food and she hired a white driver so that if they wouldn't let her in, the white driver would be like, hey, I'm a white guy. They'd be like, oh, great. You're a white guy. And they they would let him in. Yeah. She was smart. So she would do all that. Wow. Yeah. So then one time. So I guess her her popularity started to wane a little bit. So she decided to like have a concert slash wedding. She's like, I'm going to. Two for one, yeah, baby. Yeah. So she's like, so she found. She's that- like, I told you I was resourceful. <laughs> I told you. Exactly. I made a fr- like how innovative she had to be yes. to literally go around all of that red tape mm-hmm. or white tape. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> But like really, and and then having to create like her old, like she saw every boundary mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I'll just go around. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. I that's, know. That's what I aspire to. You know, like if if it's not built, I'll build it. Okay. Hello? So she. So it was a yes. concert wedding. Yes, yeah, she had a concert wedding. So she had to find somebody. She's like, this is a great idea, but now I got to find a dude, I guess. So she goes and she finds Was one. it like for, t- I wonder if it was like for tax or purposes where she was like, who knows? It was a business thing. Sure. No, but then it, she was innovative. <laughs> she was very innovative. So she ended up having, she met this guy in a few months and then she ended up having this wedding concert thing. Concert. Yeah. And people were like, that's wild. But this guy ended up being kind of a dick too. Oh, yeah. He sucked. Man. He Come was on, like, yeah. <laughs> he spent all her money and she had like a couple bad managers. So by the late 1950s, she wasn't really doing so well. Right. So she went to Europe because apparently at this time in Europe, people started to really like gospel yes. music. It's <laughs> interesting because once you're like semi washed up here, mm-hmm. you go to London and it's like, yeah, baby. <laughs> The comeback. That's what happened to Judy Garland, but then she died, unfortunately, in that comeback. Yes. For some reason, these comebacks, like, and I'm thinking about Michael Jackson also, like, didn't make it for his comeback. Anyway, sorry. No, There's it's just fine. Rant. I think. But, like, yeah, people go to Europe. Yeah, is it Judy Garland who, I think she was the ambassador to Ghana for a while. No, that was Shirley Temple. I'm trying to figure it that out. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it was Shirley sense, Temple because yeah. my I remember my dad that my dad's from Ghana, so the only way he ever knew Shirley Temple was like, oh yeah, she was the ambassador for a while. I was like, what? That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. yeah, she got into politics. Yes, she actually did get into politics. Yeah, I was like, huh, Shirley, curly, curly Shirley. Anyway, curly <laughs> Shirley. All right, that's fine. So then, all right, so okay, she went to Europe. You know who else went to Europe? I'm thinking, didn't Tina Turner, like, move to Germany? But then she got married, I think. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, I feel like I've heard some side story about. Something like that. And then, like, a lot of celebrities just retreat to, like, like a Galapagos. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, something. <laughs> they're like, I just got to run away. Right? Yeah. I feel like they, I feel like I've known several Hollywood peeps that are just, like, now I, like, like Lenny Kravitz, right? <laughs> Doesn't he hide away and, like. He lives like, on, like, okay, he lives I love that you know. Yes. 
he lives in a van on a beach in Barbados or something. He's like, yeah, I just live here now. And we're like, are you, you're good though? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. We're like, okay, Lenny. I love it. I love it. Lenny crap. Yes. I remember, sorry, this is so random. I'm going to get back to the story, but I think, I, I don't know what grade I was in. Maybe I was in like sixth or seventh grade when that, you know that song? Okay, sorry, no, I'm, I'm not singing it very it. well. I'm dan- uh, no, it's fine. I'm just, oh. I probably don't know it anyway. Okay. Don't worry. It's a good song. I don't know it. <laughs> like, I'll be gonna never see you again. Though I love the Kravitz family. Yeah, oh, me too. I love them. They're all such good looking people. It's like annoying. Right? It's <laughs> sick. Everyone, <laughs> stop it. I'm like, oh, okay. And then she was like, oh, you know what I'm gonna do, Lisa Vinay? I'm just gonna get married to Jason Momoa. What the hell yeah. is going on here? <laughs> like, okay. Everybody just drinking their god juice. <laughs> Jason Momoa was like, you know what? Letty Kravitz is literally one of my best friends. I was like, you all need to stop being so sweet know, and cute so, and hot. Yeah, like, <laughs> ew, stop that. Stop it. It's annoying. <laughs> I think it might be, I, I think this also just shows also a bigger thing, which is like, they have money. They have the ability to like, not just focus on like socio, yes. like social, social concepts of like, that's weird or you should be hateful. Yeah. Or, they're all just like, no, we're like in good, our mental health is in good standing and we are all just learning to yeah. be cool. And I'm like, wow. it's amazing yes it is amazing but i remember like i think yeah i think i was in elementary school or maybe early middle school and that's uh, the song i think is called again and the video has lenny kravitz butt in it (laughs) i remember being like (gasps) lenny kravitz butt (laughs) oh my god that's like such a i don't know if you saw turning red no, Disney but I want to see it. I've never seen I, it. My daughter likes it. I know she's only four, but we like we like four town. They they like sing in it anyway. Like it's like a fake band, but it very much replicates like being a millennial mm-hmm. in the early two thousands, like being in middle school. Yes, and I vibe with that as I am turning thirty four this year. But you know, like it, it's very clearly that and. It just reminded me of like where she would say something like that. Yeah, so, no, it's totally fine. I'm like, that's a really long no, story for nothing. No, it's sorry. Fine. Keep going, it's, Kravitz. It's fine. I remember. No, it's fine. You're hilarious. I remember seeing his butt. I'm going to school, like, oh, you guys, listen. I'm like, I saw Lenny Kravitz's butt yesterday. I saw it. I'm feeling all sorts of ways about it. I would like to talk about exactly. this. I might need to go and look and see that butt again. This is great. I don't know why. Don't, Just something in something my about pituitary his butt. I know. It is really Just, awesome to me. Right. <laughs> so weird. Um, <laughs> okay. Sorry, everybody. I had to talk about Lenny Kravitz's butt. So... <laughs> Had to. Had to, so it's necessary. Okay, so she went to Europe. Then she was there for a while. (laughs) And then she got back to America. And everybody's like, wait, we really like you again. We like gospel and pop music. And she's like, great. So for 10 more years, she started going on tour and she was going hard. She was playing, she was making albums. And her friends were like, sister, you got to calm down. She's like, I'm never calming down. So she probably did not say that, but (laughs) she did. So then, I know, maybe. So then, her hands started to get numb. She's a guitar player. This is not good. Oh, like carpal tunnel. So she found out she had undiagnosed diabetes. So she had some nerve damage. Yeah. So, I know. (laughs) Not the diabetes. So then, she, unfortunately, she had to get her leg amputated. But she didn't care because she, 
Since her resentment, of course. Though. This woman, she, she, yeah, she got her leg amputated, but then she went back on stage and she said, "No problem, I'm gonna hop." <laughs> With her guitar and her one leg, she said, "It doesn't matter. I could have zero legs. I'm gonna play my guitar." So then, I am dead. <laughs> I oh my her. god, I need. So then, but then in 1973, a few years later, after she recovered, well, didn't recover, but she got her leg cut off. She died. And like, I said that so awkwardly. That, the way you said it was a very Wendy Williams. She died. <laughs> Just because like the like minor jersey and everything yes. came she died. She died. Yeah, she died. And it was real sad. Aww. And then, it, actually, she died a day before she was supposed to release a new album. So that was terrible. And then her husband was a dick and he spent all her money. So she actually doesn't have a headstone. And to this day, she's in an unmarked grave. Isn't that? That's shitty of her husband. But the thing that it sucks, that part sucks. But the thing that I love about Sister of Beth Tharp is that people. <laughs> People who besides everything, besides everything, and her being just a badass, is that she didn't give a shit about what anybody thought she should do. She was just like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Yes. And then again, from Tough Mothers, this book I love so much, he says, but perhaps the larger issue with her legacy was the difficulty of summarizing her leg. (laughs) Oh no, her leg. Oh no. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's dark. It's fine. She's fine. She's fine now. She was a study. She is at peace. peace. She was a study in contradictions. A gospel singer with a secular bent, a conservative persona who'd swear like a sailor, a sweet and sincere soul who manufactured her own wedding for publicity, and a boisterous, flawed, magnificently human soul. I love that. That's so nice. Isn't it? Like, that is so human. So human to just try to strive against all odds mm-hmm. to be successful and express yourself and do your thing, do your art, creating it. I mean, the fact that she also didn't let the amputation stop her, like so many people would get self-conscious about that, mm-hmm. but to have the ability to just see past that yourself and like, that's beautiful. Isn't oh, it? yeah. I just go, Sister Rosetta. I know. I was like, man, my sister actually told me about this woman years ago because my sister plays mm-hmm. guitar. She's very talented, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, whatever. And then, <laughs> like, not okay, whatever. But I, just, <laughs> right. I was like, okay, cool. And then when I actually read right. this story, I was like, oh shit. And I texted my sister the other day. I was like, I remember that lady you told me about. Actually, <laughs> really cool. But she's like, yeah, right. I told you that. Jesus Christ, Ashley. Um, now you're now you're getting it, <laughs> right? So, okay. So now this comes to the end of our show. This has been so fun. Like this has been amazing. Yeah. No, it's been so fun. So Chelsea, just tell everybody. If they want to hook up with you and they want to hang out with you and you want, they're like, wait, I want to get a voice lesson from that lady. She's awesome. Where can they find you? So I have my website, thevoicewitch.co. Which is a very which is cool great. website, think, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Oh, my God. I did it myself, so I'm still, like, working on it, I it. because I, I do everything by myself. <laughs> I'm not... I, I know plenty of people that are like, you should spend money on your website. I'm like, I listen, I used to code as a kid. We can do oh, this. Cool. Like, because I was a nerd. <laughs> I would just code like people's live journals and like make little templates. But anyway, that's in a past life. <laughs> <laughs> this current life, but 
in the past. So you can find me on there. I think you can send a little message on that. But honestly, if you're on Instagram, that's the best place to message me. I like to just honestly, you can send me a message and we have a conversation. I really don't. I used to do these like like cut and dry book now buttons. And then I switched to a... <laughs> I'm giving you my process. That's right. <laughs> then I switched to this like form that you had to apply for, which seems intimidating. Mm-hmm. So I would just, it, it's evolved over time. Honestly, I prefer you just message me and we have a conversation about it. I know that can be scary, but it's a lot easier to have the conversation than to like shell out, you know, a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like at the, at, you know, at, all at once. But you can also work with me. I have a karaoke coven that's yes. actually starting next Monday, next Friday, May 26. I don't know if this is airing after that, though. Yes, it will. But that's OK. That's but we have the karaoke coven. It's only $10 a month and it provides support for your voice. I have a group discord on there where I have song suggestions. I send karaoke tracks and then we show up online and we all mute ourselves and you get to see and showcase what you've been working on get some feedback if you'd like but mostly get support and some options how to like you know help some of your technique if you're feeling like you need some assistance and it's like the lowest price option because I just want to build community I'm not looking to like make this anything I'm trying to profit off of because I really do want it to just build the community and have people feel safe in a safe container and have policies to make sure everybody's safe and if where if there is harm that's caused, like we're gonna we're gonna work on it. We're gonna make sure that she's gonna that, scratch them. Um, yeah, whatever happens. Yeah, I'm gonna scratch you. You'll bleed. Safer space policy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's so I do that, and then yeah, if you're in person, I do a lot of healing work in person. But I don't know if anyone listening's from Fort Wayne. Um, either, but but yes, know. reach out to me online or on social media. Again, it's thevoicewitch.co.com was taken. And it's not even a website right now. It's like somebody's just got the... I'm like, you're rude. I know. You you're rude. You didn't let me .com it. And I actually have like a brand that I'm doing. But anyway, yeah, my favorite thing is to work with neurodivergent people, people that are just trying to find their voices, maybe people trying to like get into like community theater auditions or start their journey. Because I just I have such a soft spot for people just starting out, because it can be really scary. And a lot of people don't put you in the right direction. Some people just want to monetize off of you. And that's really not the goal either. And I'm also like low commitment. You don't have to commit to a a whole month. You could do a la carte. You could do one lesson. You could do two lessons. You know, whatever feels good. And I've also written an ebook called The Awakened Artist. Mm. And that's also available on my website. And it's basically if you want to sing but don't want to do all of the things that I said that involve singing, like you're not even there yet, this gets you from like... I call it like the couch to 5k of singing, (laughs) getting you from like nothing to like actually creating. And we work on modalities that help you increase your artistic ability and get you just a little bit more into like the things that you like, your hobbies. It's just a way to incorporate a little bit more freedom in your life. And then you get to start creating some art then. Yay! Everybody follow Chelsea on Instagram, especially because she has the best Instagram. Your Instagram is so cute. I love it. It is is a crazy dump of like (laughs) 90s movies that I make into memes. Oh, I love how you put a lot of Fran Drescher on there. Oh my God. I am like a dedicated nanny. I used to. I love the nanny. Me and my mom used to love. We used to watch a lot of the nanny. 
you know why it just never misses and it's always just like a you know it's like no stress there aren't scenarios where you're like oh my god what's gonna yeah. happen it's kind of like very like you know the lucy show yes. you know it's like i love lucy it's very much like oh no situational <laughs> drama and it's like but it's very light you yes. don't have to, but but the comedy it gives back like it's like so so good it's so I don't know. funny i used to the love writing. how her mom sorry no i'm talking about nanny now how her mm. mom was just always <laughs> randomly showing up and eating yes. everything and used to yes. kill me oh. my one of my favorite scenes is my blood bread my blood sugar my blood sugar get the medicine <laughs> and she she goes mom she goes into the cabinet gets the chocolate syrup bottle puts it on a tablespoon and she goes bad <laughs> like oh like relate just relatable foodie things and just you know if you if you have trouble like (laughs) with with the things you're eating like it's a very calming show for people that like to eat yes it it does not shame people like she would there are a lot of quotes that just make you feel like very food positive too and i think that also gives me like great vibes because there's like one scene where she like Fran Drescher, she she puts two slices of pizza together, and they're like, Fran, that's that's not one slice. And she goes, the body doesn't know. <laughs> it like never the misses. Lies that you, yes. Like the lies that you tell yourself, you know? Like what? It's like one thing in space, time and space. So who cares, you know? That show never miss. It's always, it always funny. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I love it. When, when I first started seeing you post Fran Drescher, I was like, the I was yes. so excited. Also, so iconic. Yes. So iconic. All her outfits. Oh iconic. Yes. 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 Oh my God. Oh, God. I aspire. I wish I had that vibe, but it's okay. Me too, but I can't do it. But it's okay. Thank God for her. Well, thank you, Chelsea, for being here. Thank you. And then once again, I'm going to plug myself because that's what you got to do sometimes. So, again, we're dying with the divine on. I always say we. It's just me, but I don't know why I always say that. <laughs> just feels comfortable yeah to, like, like bring i have a team in. of producers no it's just me in my kitchen right now <laughs> yes. like, dine with the divine on facebook and at dine with the divine on instagram again if you like the show you can subscribe you can give us a five-star rating that helps other people find us you can email me with anything you want to say at dine with the divine pod at gmail and if you want to follow me ashley i'm at sankofa hs that's s-a-n-k-o-f-a-h-s on Instagram and I'm Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook and thank you everybody for being here and I hope you have an awesome amazing week and thanks again Chelsea and this has been awesome thank you (laughs) bye everybody